our byline is what? Growing? Apostolic legacy. Legacy. Knowing that we are <coughs> growing uh, a great heritage here, and it's apostolic, which means that we believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We are just like the church was over a hundred years ago, uh, whenever the Holy Ghost was outpoured downtown Newark. We're still preaching, teaching, believing that God is able to fill, to change. There are people that have come through these doors from <coughs> the Ulrich uh, and uh, uh, Brother Chuck Ulrich, who is here's father, who God delivered from alcohol. Brother Brown, whose sister Brown is here, that will tell you what God did for them. I'm telling you the same God is still on the throne, still able to heal, to fill, to deliver. That's the kind of God we serve. And I know uh, this week we are, uh, there will be a funeral for uh, Sister Wanda Bridges on Friday at 1 o'clock and uh, the viewing will be at noon uh, here. Uh, they're viewing at the funeral home which is I, I think um, Chris uh, Wagner Hoskinson I think whatever the new name is for the one downtown there on Granville Road uh, is on Thursday from 4 to 7 so uh, don't forget that service pray for uh, those families and uh, I know uh, brother uh, Harry McLean is here and who was in the hospital earlier this week so we have a great legacy a great history of what God has done, a great sense that God is on the throne and that God is still filling and God is still healing and God is still delivering. And with that in mind, we come and say, all right, what is, we're in this middle of 40 days of prayer and fasting, what is the prayer of faith? We call the prayer of faith. And we know Probably immediately you know where that verse comes from. We can almost quote it. James, the fifth chapter, James, who was a brother of Jesus, wrote this, is any among you afflicted? And then it said, let him call, let him pray. Uh, is any merry? Let him sing songs. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And we know that that's part of our responsibility and I know to call and I, I understand sometimes people are too sick to call and feel bad and, and I, I apologize when we not we may not see that you've been gone and doesn't mean we don't love you but that part of that is to call and say hey pray for me hey help me uh, you know I want you to know I'm I'm sick uh, if you're uh, excited sing a song tell us what's so exciting give us a word let us know hey God's been good come praise the Lord worship the Lord sing sing a song and, and then he said let them and that's a plural, pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now that's what we, we did and I, I appreciate all of those that came for prayer and all of those that came and stood behind them and those prayed and we had several uh, that were here anointing, praying, believing in the name of the Lord and then it uses this phrase, and the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Notice it first says save the sick. 
And then it says, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. I don't want to offend you. But it didn't really say, and God shall immediately heal them. Now we're praying for healing. But it first focuses on saving the sick. And being raised up by God. Now God is able to raise somebody up. All of a sudden change their whole outlook. You may still walk out of here with a still sore back. You may walk out of here with a sore neck. But yet you've been raised up by the spirit and presence of almighty God. Are you saying God can't heal? Oh no, I'm, I pray, I believe in healing, I believe in that. But when we sometimes, we talk about save the sick, and then he goes, confess your faults to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. So there was something about confessing your faults that goes along with some of the healing, and then it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, in order to really understand what, of course, uh, James wrote that, ch- that verse and those verses in the fifth chapter, if you go back to the second chapter, you will see where James says it like this. He is, uh, in his writing, it, it's important to read his whole book sometime. But he says, what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man says he has faith and have not works? Can faith save him? He keep reading and uh, for brevity of time, he goes, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, Thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou, O vain man, that faith without works, wilt thou know, O vain man, faith without works is dead. So immediately this joining of faith and works. And James talks about it. And immediately people uh, sort of, uh, get a little bit, you know, are you saying that you got to do something to be saved? And are you saying, you know, and they want to look at maybe baptism as a work. And baptism is not a work. Uh, baptism is a great covenant privilege that we can be connected to the Lord. And there's uh, no work involved in it. Are you saying that, well, they need to get the Holy Ghost? Well, it's a gift. Who wouldn't want to get a gift from the Lord and the gift of his spirit? And so and when you start looking at what, what is works, it is, of course, you know, we try to do right. We try to live right. But we know that nothing that we do can merit salvation. This is not about salvation. It's not about that from God at all. God has done all the work on Calvary. It's finished. Uh, The blood was shed. The blood just has to be applied to my life and heart. We know all of that. But here James is talking about the prayer of faith. 
The prayer of faith shall save the sick. And he, he first started it by saying, you know, if you are sick, you need to pray. And if you are, are happy, you need to sing. If you need prayer, you need to call for the elders of the church. And he, he puts it and, uh, you know, uh, I was, uh, someone actually, Brother Bill Spires was quoting that verse yesterday. I heard him say it, you know, let them call. And I said, I know. And that was ironic because I'd been reading that. That's exactly right. And I, that doesn't mean that, okay, well, you know, whatever. But the point is, he then uses the phrase, the prayer of faith shall save the sick and God shall raise them up. And if they've committed any sins, they shall be forgiven them. And I begin to think of the story immediately that that reminded me of. That one verse reminds me of a story that happened that is recorded in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke, which is unusual. Not all stories are in all three of what we call the synoptic gospels or the same gospels. Uh, John's are all different, but you, you, the point is, uh, or mostly different, but the point is Matthew, Mark, and Luke have some very similar stories and uh, those stories are what uh, that had reference to. I, I don't know how we got up there, uh, prayer of faith. Uh, there we go. Matthew, the ninth chapter is where that story uh, takes place. And some of you will remember it. The Lord uh, in Matthew, the eighth chapter, has gone to the Gergeshines and the island. And there were a couple of demoniacs there. He ends up doing this a couple of times. They come out and uh, the Lord casts the devil out of them. And they go in the pigs and they run down. Now, this is early in the Lord's ministry. He hasn't even fully called all of his disciples. He still hasn't gotten Nathaniel and some others. And so this is very early in Jesus's ministry. He has turned the water into wine in Capernaum and there, there's this buzz going around. He goes over to the Gergesenes and uh, the Gadarenes, whatever you want to pronounce it, and comes back. And now the buzz is what's going on? Who is this guy? And he comes back uh, into his own city, which was probably Capernaum. Uh, when we went to Israel, we went to an excavation in that area, saw uh, some houses that had been excavated. There was one that they believed was Simon Peter's house and, and how they showed how they were all uh, sort of built. Uh, in that day, they did not build houses like separate houses where a street and a road down the middle they just sort of, um, you built a house uh, and you used the one wall of your neighbor's house and you built three walls and then somebody built on that side and that side and that side and, and so it was just a conglomeration of, of, of uh, foundations and yet you would go almost through one door into one house, into the next door, into the next door and, and that's how you got from one house to another. It was just sort of uh, not really uh, 2,000 years ago what we would say would be uh, very private, uh, very personal. Uh, I mean, you know, you can't even yell or scream, you know, here because they didn't have doors like you open and shut doors and soundproof walls, you know, so, you know, imagine, you know, you're just kind of 
hey, uh, and what are y'all having for breakfast? Oh, okay, well, great, you know, pass some of that to me or whatever. I mean, if you had to get up and go to the bathroom, you had to go through four or five people's houses to get out. So anyway, just kind of an unusual thing. But here we were, we saw that area. But here Jesus came to his own city, and in Matthew, it records it like this. I, I want to read all of them, so I'll, I'll quit uh, sort of yaya about it. Sorry. Uh, Behold, was brought unto him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, and thy sins be forgiven thee. Now there were some scribes which said to themselves, they thought in their mind, this man is a blasphemer because he can't forgive sins. There's no way he can say he forgives their sins. And Jesus read their mind. He knew their thoughts and he said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For what is easier to say your sins be forgiven you or arise, take up your bed and walk or arise and walk that you may know that the son of man hath power on earth to forgive sins. I'm going to heal this guy for one reason so that you know what I said was, was true. And so he immediately turns to the guy, to the man sick of the palsy, and said, Arise, take up your bed, go to your house. The guy jumps up and departs to his house. And when the multitude saw it, they marveled, glorified God, which had given such power unto men. What's amazing, as I said already, <clears throat> that Mark records the same story in the second chapter, right at the beginning of the book of Mark. And we'll read it just so that there are a few bits and pieces that we didn't get in the Matthew story. And again, he entered into Capernaum. That's why we know what city it was, his own city, Capernaum. Capernaum, after many days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway, many were gathered together. So, it wasn't unusual that if you have to walk through four or five houses that people started saying, wow, Jesus is here. Wow, he's back. He's in town. He's arrived. He'd been out of town. Now he's back in town. And so somebody told somebody else and somebody told somebody else. And so they started going and they were just kind of looking in and they were pressing in and they, I want to come into your house to get to that house. Sorry, excuse me. I got to go through. I want to hear Jesus. And Jesus is teaching and the the word says there was no room to receive them no not so much as about the door and he preached the word unto them and so he's preaching and they came unto him bringing one sick of the palsy which was born of four so we know that four men carried one man and when they could not come nigh unto him for the press they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, <clears throat> they let down the bed wherein the man sick of the palsy lay. <clears throat> okay? <clears throat> Keep reading. And Jesus saw their faith. And he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there reasoning in their hearts why does this man speak blasphemies who can forgive sins but God only and immediately Jesus when Jesus perceived in his spirit 
that they so reasoned with themselves. He said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed and walk. But you know, <laughs> let me see, <laughs> but that you may know, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath the power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I pray unto thee, arise, take up thy bed, go thy way into thy own house. And immediately arose, took up the bed, went forth before them all, insomuch as they were amazed, glorified God, saying, we've never seen it on this fashion. To read Luke's version again, and behold, a man, <coughs> they brought... Men brought in a bed a man that was taken in the palsy and they sought means to bring him in to lay him before him and when they could not find by the way which they might bring him in because of the multitude they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven. And when the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaks blasphemies? <clears throat> and then who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said unto them, Why, what reason ye in your hearts whether it is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk, that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. And he said unto the sick of a palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy couch, go to thy house. And immediately he arose up before them, took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And now, The last verse in that story is, and they were all amazed, they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Now the scribes were there to judge Jesus, and they knew the law, and they knew the prophets, and the law and the prophets, <coughs> the Bible and the Old Testament says, I, even I, meaning only I, I, only I, am he that blots out the transgressions for my own sake and will not remember thy sins. I'm the only guy that can do it. I, even I, am the only guy that can blot out sins. And so for Jesus to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, what's blasphemy? And so they knew they had him because he had tried to do something that he couldn't do. But Jesus knew that was in their thoughts and mind and heart and immediately healed to prove that he was right. That he had the power to forgive sins. Now we know that later on uh, Simon Peter and Paul are going to preach that he is able to save us from our sins. His name is Jesus for he shall save us. So we know that he has that power. But at this point, they weren't, didn't know that. They also knew the verses in Ezekiel where it says, The Spirit of the Lord fell upon me and said unto me, Thus saith the Lord, Thus have said, O house of Israel, for I have known the things that come into your mind, every one of them. And so they knew only God could read minds. And Jesus immediately read their mind. And so immediately the Lord knew what was in their thoughts. He knew what was in their heart. And it was like, wow, we can't fool this guy. 
So it was proof positive of who Jesus was. Now what's important about all of this story, and I know we're here today and it is one of the first Sundays of the year and I said I was going to talk about the prayer of faith. And this may not seem like a prayer. There's a lot that you could preach about this story. First of all, if you'll invite Jesus to your house, he'll fill your house. If you'll open your door to your house, the Lord wants to come into your house. That's a powerful part of the story. The importance of getting the word in your house. There were people that came in order to attack Jesus. Not everybody that wants to know about what you believe is interested in. They really are interested in a genuine knowing what's going on. Because here was proof positive of who Jesus was, but they left here and refused to acknowledge. You would think if this guy just read my mind and he just able to see a healing that I would go, wow, this must be God. So sometimes when people ask questions and when people are there, it doesn't always mean that they are genuinely open to understanding about God. You have to understand that. That happens. And what's amazing about the story is it involved four men. And then the fifth man who was incapacitated. Now, they didn't have stretchers like... they have now and the nice metal rigid and you know pull the handle and it raises up and lower it and it drops down this was some sort of a bed that was easy enough to roll up and for one guy to carry it because that's what happened so we kind of imagine that it was like two sticks and some sort of blanket or mat or something okay Now, I don't know if ever as a kid you kind of ever experimented with something like that or making something like that. Um, But it's, it's not easy to carry. And the four of you, you, you know, you've got somebody that's dead weight that can't help and you're gonna roll him onto this thing and you carry him and you bring him to this area and there's no way to get in. So what's going to, what are you gonna do? Sorry, we tried. We wanted to bring you to Jesus. I don't know if they were his brothers. I don't know if they were family. I get the idea of military and how if a comrade falls, I'm not where it can't leave you there. I'll drag you out. I'm going to pull you with me. Well, I don't know who these four guys were. But Jesus watched as these four guys took a guy who had no power, who had no might, who had no ability on his own. But they took that man and said, we believe that if we can get you into the presence of Jesus... 
Jesus is able to do something. It was not the man's faith. The man, we don't know whether he had any faith or not. But there were four men that had faith enough to put some action into bringing this friend into the presence of the Lord. Then going through all the struggle of getting him there. And then when they get there, they can't do anything with him because there's too many people didn't stop them. And so they figure out how to climb up on the rooftop. And I, that, I don't know how that wonderful thing happened. Whether ropes, whether, imagine a guy, I, 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 I don't have time, but just kind of flopping around and, and, and he's dead weight and you've got to try to get him up to the top. I don't know what they did, how they did it. They put the rope under his eye, I don't know, drug him, I, I don't know. But they somehow believed if we could get him into the presence of Jesus, something can happen. Something can happen. If I can get him in to the presence of Jesus, something can happen. And that that compelled them. So they 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 brought him in and and, and they got up to the roof. And now now I, we got to tear off somebody's roof. That's always a wonderful thing to do. I mean, you, you know, I mean, how would you like it if somebody starts, you know, is up on your roof one day and is ripping the tiles off and making a hole and and here it was and and then they let him down and Jesus looks at him and the first thing Jesus says to him is thy sins be forgiven thee what are you saying Jesus we came here for a healing but Jesus said the most important thing that this man could ever experience is the cleansing power of the forgiveness of almighty God there is no healing that matches the healing of the soul there is no body healing that mimics the healing of the soul when I know my sins have been washed away and the Lord has washed me in the sea of forgetfulness oh hallelujah what a privilege that is and then Jesus of course healed his body and then he sent him back to his house prayer faith Prayer faith. And I begin to realize, you know, when we start praying for people and you don't see any evidence that it's made any difference, but you keep bringing them into the presence of God. And every Sunday, every Monday, oh God, touch them. Oh God, move in their heart. And when I find, this is what the whole point of the body is all about. You want to know why we have a church body? And you say, well, you don't need the church. I'm the church. I'm, I, I know. But at some point, somebody joining together with you to say, we're going to pray together. We're going to join with you. We're going to 
help carry this person into the presence of the Lord. It's not about their faith. It's about my faith. Do I have the faith to keep praying? Do I have the faith to keep believing? Do I have the faith to keep calling out their name? Well, I don't see any change. I don't see anything different. I, I don't care. I'll tear the roof off if I have to. I want to bring them in to the presence of Almighty God. And so this year, when we start off the year, we talk about communion and, and understanding who the body of Christ is. We are the body. And we're going to receive communion here in just a moment. And we're going we're gonna to take it and pray for one another. But I wonder what would happen if all of a sudden I would join hands with somebody and I would say, and that's what this whole prayer thing for 40 days is about. We write some names down and we join together and we're saying, here, I'm praying with you. What, what are you praying for? Okay, now we've got three of us and now we got four of us and we're going to carry somebody's name into the throne of grace. You say, but they don't seem like it's making any difference, but it makes a difference because I'm doing it by faith. I'm doing it by faith. You say, well, I, don't, I haven't seen any change. We got him on the roof. There's nothing changed. We've torn back the thing. Nothing's changed. We let him down. And Jesus said, your sins be forgiven. Nothing changed. They didn't realize that was the greatest miracle that had happened. Then the Lord turns to them and says, okay, you, you, wanna, you want the miracle to prove that I just forgave sins? Get up, take up your bed. What are you saying? God's able to do anything. God's able to do anything, but we're, we're going to take communion to, together. The Bible talks about as oft as you do this, you're welcome to join us. And just say, we're part of the body. We're part of the family. Let's stand. Are you going to offer and invite the Lord to your house? That's the key. Lord, we want to invite you to our home today. We need your spirit. We need your presence. And if you would, if you would like to partake of communion, you come. And there's the juice and wafer. And if you'll wait, we'll read a verse. We'll pray together for one another. But this is what the body is all about. An individual says, well, you know what? I'm going to fight Iran by myself. The spirits that are out there, I'm going to fight Trump by myself. I'm going to fight Korea by myself. I'm going to fight. Come on. You can come. You can just come. You're welcome to come. No, I'm going to do it with the body. I'm going to do it with the body. I'm going to say, Lord, bless us. Touch us.